Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. We are in a series, and this is number three in the series, and I've called the series Identify Yourself. A lot of us don't know who we are. We think we do. Your name might be Bob or Fred or Sally or something, but who are you really? When it comes down to the core of who you are, you need to know your identity so that you can step out and just be the most authentic person. And so we're in the part series. Identity means this. It means the condition of being yourself and not somebody else. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people are just role-playing and acting in society today? And it's kind of been a trend for ever since I've been alive. Uh, People are just acting out somebody else. Whereas God wants you to be authentically you because he only made one you. He didn't make another. There's no clones. There's nobody else that looks like you. You might have a twin, an identical twin, but you're still different from from that person. So God wants you to be uh, yourself, not somebody else. So who are you? Because if you don't know who you are, then you're going to become swayed by the opinions of somebody else and their expectations. It might be your mom, your boss, your sister, your uh, peers, classmates, maybe society as a whole. If you don't know who you are, then you're going to be living out of somebody else's identity or expectations. Now, mistaken identity is what a lot of people live out of, because if you don't know who you are, then you're really going to be fulfilling some other identity. Mistaken identity is when you allow anything or anyone other than God to define who you are. See, God created you. I know you might say your parents got together and all of that, but they're not that clever, really. (laughs) You take something that's so small you can't see it hardly on a microscope, put it together, and it pops out nine months later as you, and then you get developed. Pretty incredible. It's a miracle when you stop and think about it. So identity is important because this is what identity does that I believe it's, it's so important that you know what your, what your identity is. It gives you authority. It gives you something called authority, and authority is divine permission to do what God tells you to do. God's given you permission with the identity, in other words, who he made you, to have incredible authority to carry out what God wants you to carry out in the earth, your assignment or your purpose. Uh, A lot of people are wandering. They don't have a purpose. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't know why they're on the planet. And if you don't know that, you just wander and kind of while away the years until they're all gone and wonder what the heck was that all about. And that's where most people tend to exist today. Well, there's a better way, and that better way is to find out who you are in Christ, who God made you to be, what the purpose is that only you can fulfill, and then allow God to give you his divine permission called authority to carry that out on the earth. Now, what happens is we, uh, we tend to get labeled, and I'm not trying to confuse you with a lot of words, but identification is where you get labeled. And you start to live out of your labels as a, a means of your identity. And letting your, your, your labels define your identity is very, very dangerous. It's dangerous because of persuasion, that you're, you're, you're going to be persuaded to kind of live up to a label, uh, 
Labels can put up walls, and labels can also allow us to have a very false sense of security. We're secure within our label, and that label can, can be the definition of what you do for work, or it can be uh, something that you were defined from a child as, oh, you're just stupid, you're just dumb, you'll never amount to anything, your name is clumsy, you're an accident waiting to happen. What is wrong with you? Parents that unwittingly yelling at the kids, creating labels that those, those poor kids are going to live in for the rest of their life. I see labels in society based upon the color of somebody's skin. Oh, well, you're a black person. You're a white person. You're a white male. You're, a, you're an Asian. You're a whatever it is. Your nationality can be another label. If you're not careful, those labels become dangerous because the label then then defines you and you start to live out of that label. So they create a false uh, sense of security. Labels can lead to one of society's biggest addictions, and that's where we're going to go this morning. See, one of the biggest addictions, it's not alcohol. I was addicted to alcohol for quite a while. Big addiction. One of the biggest addictions, not even on the radar for most people. One of the biggest addictions is not heroin. One of the biggest addictions is, is not ice. One, one of the biggest addictions, most people don't even know what it is, and they, they don't even know that they're addicted to it. So I don't know. We're going to identify that this morning, but have you ever been addicted to something? I have. It's no fun. It starts off as a happy thing. Oh, this is so good. Yeah, I remember uh, some of the drugs and things. It's like, hello, this is such a good time. Uh, getting off your face or whatever. <laughs> and, and, and it starts off happy, but it doesn't end happy. I've never seen an addiction yet that ended up really well. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. And you'd think people would learn from other people that self-destruct from their addictions, whether it's chemical or porn or whatever it is, these, these things start off very enticing. They're like, well, my newfound friend, this is giving me the, uh, a, a big buzz. And, and that's what makes it so attractive. The addiction that we're going to talk about this morning is not unlike that. It's very, very dangerous, and it really comes through your labels being the means of your identity. And if you're addicted to this, it's, it's seriously one of the hardest addictions to beat, and it's called approval addiction. Oh, approval addiction. It's, it's the approval of people. It's trying to be somebody that will be accepted. And, and I would say it's one of the most common addictions in society today, and it's one of the most dangerous, although we just don't see the danger behind it. I hope that in unpacking this this morning that you'll understand what it means to be an approval addict and how dangerous approval addiction really is. I'll define that. Approval an approval addict is someone who relies on the approval of others for their self-esteem or their self-worth. And approval addicts will do almost anything to avoid something called rejection, judgment, or disapproval from others. So what others think of them is often more important, really, than what they think 
of themselves. I want to give you some signs of approval addiction, and then you can just quietly amongst yourself <laughs> decide whether any of these apply to you. Uh, some signs of, of approval addiction. Number one, struggling to form your own opinions. Trouble saying no. Going along just to get along. Finding yourself apologizing all the time. Low self-esteem. Constantly trying to make other people happy, even if it's at your own expense. Feeling anxious about what other people think of you. Attempting to control others. You would think it'd be the opposite, but it's actually not. It can become a form of manipulation and, and control. Measuring your success based on other people's evaluation of you. What they think of you makes you successful or a failure. And the last one, if you are terrified of rejection. Now, approval addicts are everywhere. And I know because I was one of them. And I did Alcoholics Anonymous way back in the day. And um, it was pretty funny because I, I didn't smoke a lot of cigarettes. But man, you go there, you cut the air like they were getting off alcohol. But man, were they addicted to, to nicotine. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but, but you had to get up and say, you know, my name's Ed. And not, not I used to be an alcoholic, but I, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, I'm confessing to you, even though I haven't had a drink in however many years, I'm still addicted to alcohol. I'm only one drink away from slipping right back into that addiction. I would say when it comes to approval addiction, it'd be very similar that you're only one thought away, even though, even though you might think, okay, I've, I've, I've got a handle on this, you still have to live guarded. You still have to be guided by God, or you can fall back into that. It's a very, very nasty thing. And so society, they, they get us hooked on this through approval ratings. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but our whole society is geared up toward this addiction. They feed it constantly, especially when there's a, an election coming up, and political people, they have to look at what's your approval rating, uh, think about the Gallup polls invented by a guy named Gallup back in the mid-30s. He had invented this thing to try to predict elections and the outcome and that kind of a thing. And yet we all have our own little Gallup polls going on. We've all got our, our own measurement, our own way of measuring our approval rating from people. And it's the strokes that they give us, the compliments, the constant affirmations and that kind of thing. And it's really fed by self-help talks, seminars, Look in the mirror, tell yourself how good you are, all of that kind of stuff. I'm not here to give you something like that this morning because I don't believe that leads to freedom. So we're going to look at some things this morning. I want to start off with uh, somebody that lived about 2,000 years ago, a very powerful man. His name was King Herod. You might have remembered about him, and, and uh, the historical account is in the book of Acts chapter 12. I just want to read this. It was about the time that, verse 1, about the time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. So the church was born on Pentecost Sunday. That was last week. We talked about that. The Holy Spirit came, and, and 3,000 people came to the Lord. The first 
uh, day of Pentecost, then it spread to about 5,000 people getting, uh, getting saved through Peter getting up and talking and sharing about what, what had happened. And then, because the church was growing so strong and so rapidly, the government got challenged by it. They uh, would have had conspiracy theories back then if they'd had the internet. It's about this time King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Then verse 3, when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread, otherwise the Passover. It's interesting that he saw this, this, this king, he saw this opportunity to get his approval rating up amongst the constituency of the Jews. Now, he wasn't a Jew, and, and um, the Roman Empire wasn't the nation of Israel, but within the Roman Empire, there was Israel. The Jews were, lived within that, and they were a very, very powerful uh, a power block within ancient Rome, and he needed them. He just did not want unrest in his city. It wasn't popular for rioting to be going on, for uh, dissension and all of these things, and they were very political uh, people. He wanted his approval rating strong, and he saw an opportunity. The Jews hate the church, so if I can get uh, these these Christians persecuted and show that I'm for uh, the, the Jewish people by persecuting the church, then my approval rating is going to go up. And so that's what he, exactly what he did. Now, you would think that approval addiction within the church, the body of Christ, Christians, if you will, believers, would be non-existent. But it's not far off from, from that story there that we find in Galatians, and I'm not going to go into it in, in, in detail, but you see, Peter gets dragged off. He doesn't get executed by King Herod, fortunately for him. But then Peter, Peter who should have known better, Peter who's one of us, who represents us. We won't go into it, but in Galatians, he, he, he comes to Antioch and he sees these Gentile believers. They're non Jews, in other words. And he's eating with them. He's having a good time. He's telling them, no, you don't need to get circumcised like the Jews. You don't need to do, you know, do all the stuff that, that, that we had to do under Judaism. And, and, and it's like, no, God accepts everybody. And then some of the Jews show up, and he goes over and eats with them at the exclusion of the Gentile believers now. And he's one of the boys and he's no longer eating with the Gentiles because he's afraid of the approval, or disapproval, I should say, uh, of the Jews. So he's swayed to go over there. Paul shows up. Now, Paul, he's like Paul the assassin. Like, he's like a, he, is, he was a warrior persecuting the church. He had an encounter with God on the road to Damascus. And, and he gets converted, and now he's like a weapon for the church. And he gets stuck in the Peter. He says, what are you doing? You're eating with them, the Gentiles, the Jews show up, and you're afraid of them, you're afraid that your approval rate is going to go down, that they're going to disapprove of you. And, and, and now all of a sudden everything's switched, 
you're eating with them, and now you're telling them that they gotta, gotta do everything according to the Jewish customs. What a hypocrite. And then he identifies why this happened, and I believe it's within the church today. But he says, because you were afraid, verse 12, you were afraid of those from the circumcision, in other words, the Jews, you were afraid of them. So you, you played the hypocrite. And, and I, I believe it's, it's that fear, Galatians 2.12, because he was afraid, he sought their approval. The root of the addiction called approval addiction is fear. It's really the fear of men. Not men as in the gender, male, female, but humans. It's fear of what are they going to think. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Now this was happening when Jesus was, uh, was still there before he was crucified. Peter was part of this, but listen to John 12, uh, 42. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him, Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, that's the religious group of Jews that didn't believe in the resurrection, but because of these Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, one of the saddest scriptures, I believe, in the Bible. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of from God. Have you ever been in a situation where you're the only person following Jesus? <laughs> you're the only one in the group that goes to church? I have. I remember back in San Diego, I had a job. My first job was with San Diego Gas and Electric Company. It was a big office, like we all had a cubicle that we'd be in there crunching out numbers for the utility company. And one of the dear old ladies that was instrumental in me coming to Christ, her name was Sue Spisak. She, she and I had lunch in the middle of, of San Diego out in the city there, and beautiful day, people coming, walking past and everything. She goes, so how is things going? I said, it's really tough, because they found out I'm a Christian at the office. And there's like, you know, 80 or so people in this massive, the whole floor of of accounting and the office there, lots of clerks and administration people, and I'm one of them. It's an entry job out of, out of college for me. And, and so they started picking on me a bit, you know, saying things, and I didn't like it. Because I don't like not being popular. Approval addicts don't like not being approved. <laughs> That's one of the things. And I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go out with them, happy hour and that kind of thing on a Friday, and try to still, you know, mingle with them, but it was pretty, pretty obvious that uh, they had attached to me a label, and that label was separating me and lowering my approval rating within the office. And I was struggling with that. So I told Sue as we're out there having lunch, beautiful afternoon, all these people having lunch, lunch too, at lunchtime, and offices spilling out into the sunshine, and I told her, I said, I'm really having trouble with this. And she says, where are all these people going to be in a few years? I go, what do you mean? Well, you know, take 20, 30, 40 years, whatever. Where, where are they all going to be? So I did a quick demographic kind of age, average age count of people walking past 
And I said, they're going to be dead. And she goes, exactly. What do you care what a bunch of dead people think about you anyway? And you know, the years have passed. That, was, that would have been 1978. <laughs> a long time ago. I, I went on Google and I looked up some of the people I used to work with in offices that, that opposed me and were very cynical, used to have little sharp barbs at me. Oh, you're one of those hallelujah people, <laughs> you know, making me the end of the joke. It's amazing how many come up with obituaries. I, I could tell you one after another, their names, what they said to me, and they're dead. What do you care about what a bunch of dead people think of you? Is your approval going to be like Herod? Herod died 2,000 years ago, King Herod. He might have killed a few Christians, got his approval rating up, but where is he now? Where are you going to be? Why do you care? Live for God. Stop what people think. Who cares? Be authentic. Don't live out of somebody else's label. Be, be who God made you to be. That's the crux of this message this morning. So how do you break approval addiction? Glad that you asked. Number one, ask yourself, who am I afraid of and why? <laughs> why? Who am I afraid of and why? The apostle Paul, he he wasn't afraid of anybody. When he got commissioned by God, listen to what he says. We'll go to 1 Thessalonians 2. You know, brothers and sisters, verse uh, 1, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of God, we dared to tell you this gospel in the face of strong opposition. Now, his strong opposition wasn't somebody's not going to like me in the office. It was death. They were out to kill him. They tried to kill him in Philippi, and he moved over to Thessalonica, which was the capital of Macedonia at the time. And, and he says, we dare to tell you this good news, this gospel in the face of strong opposition, but the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives. In other words, he had nothing to gain by that, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God. I don't care what you think of me that much, but I do care about what God thinks of me. And my approval is by God. Approved by God to be entrusted with this gospel, with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never use flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. Verse 6, we're not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority instead, we were like young children among you. The fear of the Lord, it says, is the beginning of wisdom. That's who I, I fear more than anybody else in a good way, I, I, 
I fear what God thinks of me. I want to make sure I'm fulfilling God's purpose for my life. I want to make sure that I'm approved by God. I want to make sure that I'm staying true to identity so that I can have the authority that comes with the identity and the assignment that God has given me. I want to make sure that when I, when I die eventually and leave this bottle, body and I go to face Jesus that I hear, well done, good and faithful, not well, man, you sure showed people, you know, you got your approval rating. You were famous, man. You were famous down there. We were all pretty impressed with that one. No, I don't think so. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light, my salvation. I will fear no one. The Lord protects me from all danger. I'll never be afraid. So where do people's opinions rate on your scale of 1 to 10? Just one to ten? People's opinions, where does that rate if you're, to, if, you're, if you're to put that on a scale of one to ten right now? How much time do you think before you show who you are, before you make a decision, before you share your faith, before you live for God and don't lie and, and, and have integrity and, and stick to what God says? What, what, what would you rate on a one to ten scale, one being the least or zero actually, all the way up to ten with people's opinions of you? Now let's flip that around and say, what would that be with God? If you're living for God, where does God's opinion of you rate on a one to ten? Be honest, don't answer, it's all good. How does what God asks you to rate, <laughs> when God asks you to do something, how does that obedience rate on that scale? Now, I know I've got a bit of scripture here, but I think it's really important that we look at the Word of God. So, go to uh, Acts chapter 4. I'm just going to read verses 5 to 7 and 18 to 20. The next day, this is after the, the, the man at the gate, beautiful, gets healed, and um, you know, John and Peter, they're all excited about that, and Peter starts preaching, and, and, and you know, people get saved. And then again, the rulers, the, the rulers of the law, they get the, the, the uh, authorities get upset because they're challenging their authority. Verse 5, the next day the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. And they had Peter... And John brought before them to begin to question them. By what proverb or what name do you do this? In other words, how did this guy get healed? They called him in again. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That's what society and cancer culture and everything is trying to do. It's trying to shut you up. The people, the peers, all of it. Shut you up. How is it trying to shut you up? You're going to get disapproved. You're going to lose your approval rating if you open your mouth and you talk about the gospel and you share your faith and you use the name of Jesus. Don't use that name. Whatever you do, let's keep that in the swear word category. You notice Buddha's not a swear word? You don't hear anybody stub their toe and go, holy Buddha. <laughs> People wouldn't dare swear that with Muhammad. Oh, no, it's Jesus Christ. What does that tell you? Hello? Shut up. And that's what they're doing with them. But Peter and John replied, listen to this, verse 19, I love this. Which is right in God's eyes? 
So whenever you're faced with a situation, ask yourself, which is right in God's eyes? Not your eyes, not popular opinion, not my peers, not those people in the office who are most dead, dead by now, not them. Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? I love it. As for us, verse 20, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Everything you face, you need to ask yourself, which is right in God's eyes? Am I going to go with popular opinion, get my approval ratings up, talk trash, lie a little, play the hypocrite out there when you know you're not? Or am I going to go with God? Who are you trying to impress? Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 19, no doubt there have to be differences among you. Why? To show which of you have God's approval. That scripture is about communion. We're going to have that at the end. But he says, you, you take communion in an unworthy manner. For that cause, many of you are sick and many of you are dead because you don't rightly discern the Lord's body. That's the church. And there's dissensions and there's quarreling. And some believe in the jab and some don't. And some believe in this conspiracy and some don't. And the church divided cannot stand. And, 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 and Paul says this. He says, there must be division among you. I looked at that and I thought, man, this is terrible. You know, there's so many opinions in the church world and society. He says, no, there has to be. And why? So that to show which of you have God's approval. Who's going to stop and ask which is right in God's eyes before I voice my opinion and, get, and spread division? Which is, God, which is right in God's eyes? God's going to show you who's approved and who's not approved. Galatians 1.10 Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. Number two, we're going to fly. Number two, how do you break approval addiction? Number two, learn to live with disapproval. <laughs> now, we don't want to do that because disapproval is painful. I don't want, if you're an approval addict, the, one of the worst things you, know, you hate is rejection, and, and rejection comes in the form of disapproval. I don't like it when people disapprove of, of me. I want to be accepted. I want to blend in. I want people to like me. Look, I don't want people to hate me, that's for sure. But when it comes to following God, not everybody's going to like me for that. When I open my mouth, not everybody's going to go, oh, that's so excited, tell me more. They're going to mock and carry on. You're that happy, clappy bunch. Oh, hallelujah. I had uh, somebody leave something on the answering machine a couple weeks ago, and I don't know who they were. They, got, they were people that had a few, two drinks in them. They thought, oh, let's just ring up the church and leave a message, and they're mocking and carrying on. And, uh, you know, I won't, well, what they said was, I, I found it pretty funny, to be honest. I started laughing. I rang the guy back. Because he's got caller ID. So I thought, I'm just going to ring him back. And, uh, you know, they're mocking. Oh, we, we, want, it. we want Jimmy Swagger. <laughs> and then he uh, says, uh, 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 can you show me the way? Can you pick me up, turn me around, set me down? And I'm like, <laughs> and all this stuff. I thought, that's pretty funny. Kind of using an accent. And, 
I rung the guy back, and he's sober now, obviously. <laughs> you know, it's not Friday night when they made the call, left the message. It's like Monday morning or Tuesday, whatever it was, and, and I rang him back, and, uh, and nobody answered. So, oh, okay. And then the phone rings, because he didn't know who it was that rang, so he rings back. And uh, he goes, who is this? I'm going to tell you my name. Not stupid. I use the church number, so he doesn't have my number. And uh, I said, that's a church. You left a message. Oh, oh, I don't remember anything about that. (laughs) (laughs) See, approval from God can mean disapproval from men, probably will. And the more you care about approval the more you start caring about disapproval. Now, here's where it gets dangerous. Here's how it works. The more approved you are, the more popular you become. And the more popular you become, the more people are watching you. This is is really good for you social media addicts. You know, you're getting your strokes on how many likes and all the rest of it. Uh, So the more popular you become, the more people are watching you, and the more people are watching you, the more people are criticizing you. (laughs) And and the more people that criticize you, the more you feel disapproved. And the more you are disapproved, the more approval you need. And the cycle just keeps repeating itself over and over and over again. You see, the more that you care about approval, the worse it gets. The more you care, the worse it gets. So then it becomes dangerous approval. You watch your self-worth. You attach it to the approval of other people. You let somebody else dictate your worth. You know, that's so stu- it's, like, it's like telling, you know, when I used to go to school, some of you are in school, you get, you get exams, you take your exam, but it's like letting somebody that doesn't even know the answers to the exam grade the exam that you just took. They don't know anything about you. They don't know your background. They don't know what you went through. They don't know all the disapproval that you had to fight through as a child. They don't know what damaged your self-esteem, what damaged, they don't know. There's only one that knows. He knows what you went through, and he's there for you, and he also knows the assignment on your life, what he has assigned you to do, that you're going to have to push through disapproval like Paul did to get it done. In in special forces, they have a saying, because it really gets bad when they're out there in special forces, and and the saying is this, embrace the suck. It's going to suck. Embrace it. So if it's cold or hot, no sleep, whatever it is, it sucks. When life sucks because you're disapproved, you have to learn to embrace the suck and still go on and do what God tells you to do and care about God's opinion and not all these flaky people out there that are pumping you up, making you popular just so that you can get set up for the next disapproval and get shut down and start to really, really hurt. Get used to it. I, 
I, I've been a target now for a, a lot of years. And nobody knows what I've been through. Nobody knows what you've been through. But some opinionated person that doesn't know anything, and I don't know, have you ever met somebody that's really opinionated, but they really don't know what they're talking about? Have you ever met that person, especially in today's world with conspiracy theories and they're rewriting history of everything? And it's like, you don't know what you're talking about, but you've got a strong opinion. Am I going to let that person that's so opinionated but so ignorant dictate my life based upon their approval of me? I don't forfeit that to anybody. My opinion isn't up for grabs by somebody that's just ignorant anyway. My opinion belongs from God. Think about that for a moment, but whose opinion would you take seriously when it comes to something important for you? Oh, I need some, advice, some financial advice. I think I'll just go down to the, to the beach and just start asking people, where do you think I should put my money? <laughs> You're going to go after people's opinions like that? And some of you have got people liking or disliking you on social media and in forums in life that don't even know you, they don't even know what you're what, what they're talking about, and they're giving you opinions on something so important. Are you just going to go down there and get somebody's opinion because you got a headache going on or something wrong with your, with your body? You're going to go, what do you think I should do? Well, I think that you should stand on your head, twirl around a couple times, and maybe take an aspirin. Now, you're going to go to somebody that's qualified to give you their opinion because they're qualified. There's nobody that's qualified to dictate to you or to tell you who you are except the one that created you. That's the only one. Same with marriage and children. No one is qualified to approve or disapprove other than God because God made you. We're about to close in a moment. That clock is my enemy every week. You wonder why we do so many series? Starts off with one message, and it's like, I, I get to point three now. It's like, oh, time to quit. Oh. Number three, walk in your identity, sorry, walk in your integrity of your identity, even when it hurts, because <laughs> disapproval is painful. It's okay not to feel okay. Say it again. When disapproval from people hits, it's okay if you don't feel okay. It's okay. Walk in integrity, even, even when it hurts. Think about all the things you'd like to do, and for you to accomplish those things that God's called you to do, you're going to get some pain from people's disapproval. Some of those people are going to be the closest to you. They're going to be family. I, I know, I put up with that for a long time. But why aren't you doing those things God called you to do? And some of it is the fear of men. Some of it's just the pain of disapproval. If I do this, they're not going to like me. you got to ask yourself the question, who are you following, God or man? Oh, we got a lot here. we got a lot. Oh, the summary of that point is when you lie to yourself and others, you lie to God. So don't. Just stick to integrity. Number four, and then we'll quit. Number four, let God define the basis of your self-worth. Let God define, define the basis 
of your self-worth and nobody else. I, I used to hate it when I, when I was clubbing way back in the day. And I'd, I'd be like 20 years old or something. You had to be 18 to get into the club and they'd ask for identification. And um, like I'm 20, like I'm, I'm not 18, but I look probably 17. <laughs> it's like, can I see some ID? And I used to hate that until I got to be 35. I wasn't clubbing anymore, but, you know, occasionally you go into a venue and it's like, can I see some ID? And like, with pleasure. I don't look like I'm 18 now. That's a good thing. The older you get, the younger you want to look, the younger you are, you don't, you know, it just doesn't work that way. But I love it when God shows me my identity and it's based on God's opinion. And I really encourage you, when it comes to handling people's opinion of you, and they're going to throw their opinions out about you, whether it's to your face or not, mostly not, behind your back probably. But learn to reframe people's opinion of you as fiction. (laughs) Oh, you got this opinion of me? How long you been writing these fiction novels for it's not true it's not going to stick because I don't I don't accept that it's fiction reframe their opinion as mere stories it's just a, are you you're a good storyteller you know that not fact if you take it as fact it's going to hurt and it's going to stick so ask yourself is my self-worth based on someone else's flaky opinion of me or on God's opinion of me. And we had this this morning about God chose us and and um, Junior shared this morning's prayer time. He didn't know what I was preaching on. But Ephesians 1.4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his love. He chose us. God loves you completely, and God chose you. And now dare anybody's opinion that goes contrary to that is writing something that's fiction. The only truth is in God's word and what God says about you. That's the truth. So I want us to stand right now. We have communion, and I'd like us to I'd like the worship team to come back up again. We just got a couple of minutes here. We're going to close. But I want you to have the opportunity to have some communion. And before we do, I'm just going to pray. Because I want God to show you who you really are so that you're not living out of something. Father, I thank you right now. Thank you for everybody here. If you came in here and you don't know Jesus, you've never given your heart to him. Maybe you've never been to church, or maybe you've been, but maybe not like this one. I don't know. His opinion of you is 100% love. God is, if God be for you, who, who could be against you? Nobody can prevail. He is so much for you that he sent his only son to die for you, to pay for all of the times that you've missed it. That's why we celebrate and sing, because we're all imperfect people, recovering sin addicts, 
from something that's devastated us in life. There's nobody here that doesn't have a story of what God did in redeeming them. So I'm just going to ask you this simple question. Do you know Jesus? Have you ever given him your life? The answer to that is, no, I don't know him, and I, I haven't given him my life. Well, if you'd like to do that this morning, you want to make that decision, drop the opinions of people, drop the approval of other people, and be approved by, by God by accepting his free gift. I'd like you to pray with me, just with every eye closed just to get intimate with God. Say this after me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your Son into my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.